As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Is that Ian Con or Ian Con 4? Ian Con 4, Ian Con 4, Ian Con doesn't do. And welcome to your most favoriteest, uh, well, more than an hour today, big fat fun show. It's under the presented by Tops, which is incredible, and uh, say a dream come true for uh, Ian, probably. Anyway, <laughs> check out Tops Project Seventy, celebrating seventy years of Tops baseball cards. Uh, it's all like, I mean, we talk about it enough on the show to know this is like a genuine, awesome partnership here. Uh, but later on the show, we're going to have Alex Pardee, and it's going to be amazing. But uh, let's go. We'll talk about it in a minute. Let's get to the show. With me as always, your friend of mine, Top shelf intro, Nando. Top shelf. Thank you. Thank you. My friend of yours, Inga. Hello, my friends. We've already done the other interview. It was a doozy. Coming up later on the show, Ian's referencing, of course, Alex Pardee, the artist who, uh, hey, if you've been following us, you know we love cards. He's part of Tops Project 70, uh, and he's the dude who's, like, awesome. Like, this isn't, like, one of those things where, like, oh, Tops is advertising now. we got to talk to the artist. This is, like, one of those things where it's, like, Tops is advertising now. Can we please talk to this guy because he's effing awesome? So we put in a request. They said yes, and I think it's going to be fun. Based on the interview we had, uh, it's going to be amazing. But on today's show, in terms of fantasy, we got a lot. I want to get deep-ish into Ahmed Rosario because I think he's heating up and uh, is going to be awesome. Uh, Shane McClanahan, we got to talk about mm-hmm. him. I don't even, he's way above the radar, I think, at this point, but we'll find out. Um, you know, some other stuff. DVR's got the prospects column coming soon. And uh, through him asking about some prospect stuff to our beat writers, we found a treasure trove of prospect stuff. And I wanted to get into that a little bit. Like, for instance, I found out reading one of the stories that uh, the alternate site, they're not just all hanging out at the alternate site, they're playing each other. Like teams are trapped. DVR, you did you read that one? I think it, I can't remember who it was, but one of the columns was like, "Yeah, you know, we played Cincinnati four times, then we went and played whoever four times, and then we traveled over here." You know, so they, we played like eleven games already. Did you know that? Yeah, I mean, there have been unofficial games. There's not stats or anything like that. So unless someone covering the game has relayed some, they were kind of keeping in their own scorebook. Then we don't really know what's happening in those games very much, but. I think it's just something to be mindful of when you think about maybe a pitcher's workload that 
April wasn't a total zero for those pitchers who were involved in those games. Ian, did you, I mean, does that change your perspective on the... I mean, we don't know what happened in these games, like DVR said, but does it change a little bit? Like, oh yeah, the alternate site's not just like a little waiting ground where they, you know, they get up and start throwing the ball around and playing pepper. It's like, oh, they're traveling to other teams and playing games and stuff. I still think the alternate site makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think that it... it I, I knew that they were playing other teams um, this year. I, they didn't do it last year, but it, it definitely is good for the players to to play other teams, pitch against other guys, hit against other pitchers. Um, but I'm super excited, man. I mean, the idea that we get to not just follow the box scores and what's going on in the major leagues, but also just see how guys are playing in different places. You know, Novelli Marte starting out in low A. All right, how fast is he going to get up to high A? Uh, C.J. Abrams starting out in double A. You know what that means? It means he is like half jump and skip away from being in the major leagues. So, you know, it's it was an exciting time yesterday to sort of really get a look and see, all right, this is where everyone's going to be. It really tells you, it also tells you a lot about what the teams are thinking about the players. Like Garrett Mitchell, going right to high A. That sort of makes a lot of sense, you know? I mean, based on how he did. Um, Riley Green in double A. I mean, there's there's just a lot of there's a lot of information that came out. In the yeah, last, but there's like nowhere else to go. They cut so many teams, like there's nowhere else to go anymore, really. Like this stuff is going to have to happen. Yeah, but they could put him, they could, it, it, it just tells us how they feel about the player, right? Like Jason Dominguez. There was a report last week that Jason Dominguez was going to high A. And that like just made me think, like until I found out that that was a hoax, I don't know if we should go so far as to call it a hoax, but that that wasn't true. Like, <laughs> Ian Fall I'm like, hoax is about Jason right, Dominguez. I, 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 right, I really did. Placement. No, I really did because I was like, wow, that means that. They're really upset with Hicks. Wow, I mean, maybe they're get, trying to get Dominguez up by next year. And is he going to be up at 19? Like, what does this mean? And there's like, no, he's starting in short season balls. Like, all right, that makes a whole lot more sense for Jason Dominguez. I would have loved to have seen him in low A, but the idea that he was going to high A just didn't make sense. But it, but it gets all the, you know, gets all the the senses tangling. That uh, that's a good way to put it, I guess. Yeah, may the fourth be with you. By the way. Yeah, we'll get into that later. I know, but uh, it is May 4th, and I'm a big Star Wars guy. May the 4th be with you. You know, I, we could have this conversation maybe when I call you uh, one of these times. Um, yeah, all right. So we'll never have the conversation. Go ahead. Because I enjoyed, like, and just to tease this Ian and Alex conversation, there was a lot of baseball talk in there and really, like, cool stuff about how he makes these cards. But Ian uh, took us into Star Wars, and yes. they had an argument. Yeah, but that, we'll, that wasn't an argument. argument. I'm sorry. Actually, a very nice conversation that made me think that you two should have a podcast together. Yeah, I mean, it was it was certainly fun, but I like doing this podcast. I know this podcast. Yeah, this naturally. is the podcast I like doing. Though I am doing Beat the Shift podcast tonight with with Ariel Cohen. Oh. <laughs> is this your first we're, time back since you've refined the? Uh... Yes, it is. And then we were supposed to do it on Thursday, and Ariel was like, "Hi, Ian, how are you?" I was like, "What is going on?" He's like, "I I feel a little sick." I was like, "Ariel, we're not doing the show like this. We're not going to do the show." And so I did a little teaser for next week. And I played it for somebody, and they're like, oh, so Ariel. I was like, no, 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 that was actually me doing Ariel. They're like, really? That really sounded like Ariel because it's with Ruvain. Um, so it was it was pretty fun. So I, I I might be doing more Ariel Cohen tonight. DVR, is is the point where Ian can do a, a sick impression of Ariel Cohen, the point where we're like, you need some help, man, we got to stop this? Yeah, I hope we don't go down that path. Not I mean, that. yeah, like you have like now you have different personalities and health. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's right. just a funny little, funny little gag. All right, us uh, get some baseball. Maybe if if you do an impression of Ariel doing an impression of you is when we pull the plug on this. Yep, that would All do right. it. Okay, great. That would that would that would, that would, that would we would, <laughs> okay. we would the show would combust would legitimately combust. 
All right. Uh, let's talk about Ahmed Rosario. Um, he's playing a lot. He's got shortstop and outfield eligibility now. Uh, I know it's, he's 211 with two homers and a steal, but he's heating up. Like, he's really starting to come around, and this guy's got minor league stats that point to someone who should be very good. Um, I love him. And, I, you know, again, let's just go through, like, the Nando checklist. Like, yes, I put him on every team. Yes, I went and bought his cards. Uh, but I just, like, again, sanity check. Am I getting obsessive about a player again where I shouldn't be? Or is this someone who, you know, when we look back on June 15th, we're like, man, like we should, like we should have seen this coming because he had these great minor league numbers and he's got a little seasoning and he's, you know, he's finally getting comfortable with the outfield role. And now look at him. He's hit 385 over the last month. Where, where do you fall on that, DVR? Uh, I have to ask you a follow-up question. What are your actual expectations for Ahmed Rosario? Because if you give me those, I can tell you if they're in line with what I think is going to happen or they are maybe a little excessive. I think his batting average is going to be good. And I'd say, like, by the end of the year, if he ended at, like, 272. Okay. I'd be like, all right, that's where he's supposed to be. And how many home runs? He's got two so far. Yeah, home runs, uh, I think I'd be okay with, like, 15. Okay. And then how 15, many steals? Maybe, you know, maybe scraping 20. Maybe, well, dead ball. So let's put him back down to 15. Okay. Um, And steals, uh, anywhere between 20 and 25. All right, so the steals might be the one area where you're a little overly optimistic, if only because the success rates haven't been that high in the past, and so far he's only attempted one. But he could he could do it. He's shown he owns that skill. I think generally your expectations are in line with reality. They're in line with the projections, and if we trust the projections to guide us at all, then we should trust the numbers that you just threw out there because they're basically right in line with steamer and the bat and zips and everything you see over at Fangraph. So I'm going to say generally, yeah, you're on point here. All right. I mean, you consider now where he's hitting, that means all the good stuff is about to come. Well, ish. Eh. <laughs> well, he's in 211 right now. You got to you got to get up to 273 somehow. I think you could just assume the 273 the rest of the way and if he finishes it 258 because of that or whatever that number is then you know you're happy that you got the projection the rest of the way even though you didn't get it for the first <laughs> 24 games let me ask you this Ian uh, I yep. got into trouble with this exact argument uh, not in trouble but like some commenters started saying I'm falling for the gambler's fallacy um, with Bryce Harper and I'm like alright Bryce Harper's only hitting like 230 right now he's a 270 hitter so from now until the end of the season he's going to get up to 270 and like I know what the gambler's fallacy is I just don't think it applies here because you're a 272 hitter when the dust settles on the season. That means you're going to find your way to 272. And what DVR is saying is, no, he's going to hit 272 now. Um, you know, finish with whatever, 253. Where, where do you fall in this? You know, it's it's really different for Ahmed Rosario and, and Bryce Harper for me. Um, you know, my automatic reaction to... I, 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 I kind of am in the middle on the gambler's fallacy... But let me just speak to Ahmed Rosario. I, I don't believe in Ahmed Rosario. I don't think he's going to play. He's a he's a, a disaster in center field. Like he, there was a play this weekend that if my center fielder made it in little league, I'd be like, dude, we got to work on that. Um, he's not very good there. He he will be good at shortstop. But here's the thing that's keeping me from kind of slamming this totally. I picked up Yadiel Hernandez this weekend. Oh, in Tat nice. Wars yes. for thirteen dollars. I picked up. 
um, I picked up Adolis Garcia in the XFL draft in the first round with Steve Gartner. I picked, I, I have your mean Mercedes. So when you talk, I, I listen. So if you're telling me that it's a buy low on a Med Rosario, even though I don't think it is, I, I, I certainly give room for it. You know, like I, I you seem to find the guys. Um, so Ahmed Rosario, 15 stolen bases, 15 home runs with a 272 average for the rest of the way. Okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go out and pay for that, but I won't be surprised if I see it. How about I don't that? think you have to pay for that though. I don't think any, I don't think anyone really likes. I'm thinking about dynasty leagues. Uh, you know? Well, I think in, everyone's in still so hard leagues. on Jimenez. Like, you know, like Jimenez coming in, Jimenez, how do we, how are we saying that DVR? Jimenez? Jimenez, Jimenez, I right, think. Okay. Yep. It just sounded wrong when I started saying it. But see, I feel it. like Jimenez is finally starting to turn it on a little bit. You I know? Mean, but they I mean, can peacefully coexist with one in the outfield and one in the infield. Yeah, I mean, they can. But again, Ahmed Rosario can't play outfield. I mean, like, he legitimately is bad at it. And I don't know that he's going to be able... Look, injuries happen every day as we're learning. Look at Louis, Louis Robert. Louis oh, we Robert. Louis Robert. We we're going to get to Robert. But... You know, I mean, so I, I can see him getting regular playing time. I could see, gosh forbid, if Jose Ramirez goes down, I could see him getting some time at third. He's sort of like a Jake Cronenworth or a Jerks and Profar kind of player for me right now. But I don't think he's going to get, I don't think he's going to play every day. And because he's not going to play every day, it, it's just not somebody who I want to roster in a 10-team league, a 12-team league, really, or a 15-team league. I'm not looking for stats from him. But you know what? Maybe in a 15-team league. Maybe he's just- sitting out there. I see yeah, Rosario's yeah. like next eight years, five hundred fifty at bats every year, assuming he's healthy. Like that's that's my view of Rosario. Mm, yeah, that might be a little too optimistic. Oh, DVR, come on, man! Now you decide to talk. Eight years is a long <laughs> time, man. We're talking about a guy who's currently in this learning a new position sort of void. I, I, I think they got to commit to him as a shortstop, though. I think that's that's where he gets eight years of being a regular. Is if he ends up getting back to shortstop in Cleveland or somewhere else. And is at least a good enough defender to just drive his playing time that way. Yeah, and then I mean, I I I still think the Cesar Hernandez signing was surprising and disappointing because it put us in the situation, right? And and you've got Tyler Freeman coming too uh, for the Indians, so you got another middle infielder, another shortstop who's showing up. I could see Tyler Freeman being the starter at shortstop with Andres Jimenez moving over to second base, or Freeman at second base because I think Hernandez is only on a one year deal. Am I right, DVR? Yeah, that sounds familiar. Right, so I, you know, I just I, 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 he feels like jerks from Profar to me, but Profar is a lot better in the outfield than Ahmed Rosario, but he's hitting a little bit. He's he's coming on. I mean, there was a I saw some, I saw a tweet saying that Ahmed Rosario hadn't stolen a base in 500 days or something like that, and I was like, oh my god, that's really not looking good. But then he goes out and he steals a base. But we'll see, we'll see. You you put your flag down on Ahmed. I'm not going to laugh at you. How about that? I really well, I, not. I appreciate that. Yeah, well, I mean, Hernandez is the reason. Yadiel Hernandez, who 33 years old and has two stolen bases already this season. He's playing every day. So, you know. Yeah, that guy's a hitter. How, that guy is a hitter. You've been talking about him. in. What, did you trade for him in OOTP? I did. This is yeah. like all these guys, this, this Arizona team this year, if we turn that game back on, well, I mean, probably not because the machine probably doesn't like him as much, but like. If you take that team and make it a fantasy team, it's out. It's out of control, probably right now. Did you trade for your mean Mercedes on that team too? Well, you wouldn't trade him to me. Oh, that's right. I had him. Yeah, you had him. 
that's right. <laughs> no, I was holding out. I was waiting. I wanted to get like a really, I wanted to get like a really, really good package for him. Yes, that's true. You did try to get him, but that just shows you, you know, you, you something weird, something weird. You, you find the guys. Well, it's, I think, you know why? Because like these leagues that I have with Vaccaro and we've talked about it on the show where he does the first 30 and I do the last 20. Like those are the leagues I think I love the most. And it might just be because Vaccaro just like takes over setting the lineups from day one and I don't have to worry about it. But like, I just like love digging around those last 20 picks. And I think doing that research is kind of just, you turn up some guys. That's all. Yeah. Yayo Hernandez true. hits like three something every year. Every year he's hitting like 330, 320, 310 the minors. And playing he's just, now. He's blocked by circumstance. Not anymore. He, he, I think he's the guy, isn't he? I think, I mean, DVR? how does he fit when Soto comes back? Because once Soto comes back, none of those guys other than Robles can play center field. So you can't take Robles out of the lineup. Schwarber, could you play Schwarber at first and take Josh Bell out of the lineup? Could you play Hernandez at first? Is there is there any other way to get him on the field once Soto is back? That's a good question. Yeah, that's is he is it is it's an issue, but can can he can he play center field? Is it impossible? Oh boy, if he can, he can. it's bad news for Victor Robles. If if Robles well, doesn't start to it's hit, bad. Victor Robles is bad news for Victor Robles. I mean, unfortunately, take your shots, everybody. Go ahead, take your shots. No, it's not not at you. It's at him. I mean, I just I had higher hopes for him. I, I but nothing. I mean, just nothing. He's 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 bringing nothing to the table. Yeah, it's been a big miss for me so far. He is uh, walking a lot more than ever and striking out less than he did last year. So the plate skills at least are in the right direction, but he's not hitting the ball hard, not giving you stolen bases. He's one for four on the base pass so far this season. Yes. Yeah, he's walking more. He's walking more, which is good. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, Ian, you brought yes. up Luis Robert. Uh, let's. I mean, how's that going to shake? I mean, that the part about Luis Robert sucks, and I'm sure, like yes. you know, that's whatever. What are we going to do? Like he's out for three or four months. But how's this going to shake out now? What's the what's the after effect? I mean, they've lost Robert and Jimenez in that outfield now. So my Top Wars team has lost Robert and Jimenez. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. There's a lot of fab coming back, which is one of the best parts about Top Wars. Um, I think it's I. You know, I think that both of them may be back in September, which is, I think, the the highest hope they can have. So now they have to make the playoffs, which I think is going to be harder. I talked about this player about a month ago on the show, and I'm going to talk about him again. Now, Lurie Garcia is probably going to be the first guy. But the way I see it, this is the best opening Billy Hamilton has ever had. And in fantasy leagues, Billy Hamilton, if he indeed has grown strong enough to get the ball out of the infield. Sorry. Sorry to say it that way. He he could see 
relatively regular playing time in that outfield. Why? Because Andrew Vaughn is in left field. And Andrew Vaughn is a little bit better than Ahmed Rosario in the outfield, but probably that's it. So if you put, if you don't have, you, Louis Robert was covering everything out there. You're going to need somebody who's going to cover that. And they're going to need, they're going to need Andrew Vaughn's bat in that lineup. Looks like he's going to play now. And and then you got to, I see an opportunity for Billy Hamilton. I think that's how it plays out. I think Lurie Garcia and Billy Hamilton. And Billy Hamilton playing three, four times a week, to me, is someone who has value in fantasy. Because he's going to steal three or four bags a week. Don't you think? Is he back? Oh, he's back. He's I back remember, from yeah, his hamstring. I haven't actually followed that closely enough. No, no, no. He's back from his hamstring. I just, we just picked him up in the Devil's Rejects yesterday. Um, and don't need the speed, but I just want him for the value. And I, I, I think I'm going to be picking him up in places this weekend. I, I, I think he's going to play. This isn't the week for him. He's only got five games, so he'll probably only play two. But in a full seven-game seven week, I think he'll play three, four times, and he'll get you some stolen bases. And, and depending on, your, on what your needs are for your team, I like Billy Hamilton. DVR, what do you think? Uh, I want to see Billy Hamilton become fantasy relevant again, and the speed could get him there. And we talked about him a few weeks ago, hitting the ball a little harder than he had in the past. So you can't say there's no chance, but look at the five-year track record now of what Billy Hamilton has been as a hitter against big league pitching. He's hitting 234 with a 294 OBP. Slugging 315. He has a 61 WRC plus. He is 39% below a league average hitter. So if he's playing, he's the number nine hitter in that lineup, and he's there for his defense. And anything they get from him offensively is a complete bonus. The guys that are below him over the last five years, looking at this leaderboard, are almost entirely out of baseball, at least in North America. It's remarkable to see this list of names. I mean, he has been as bad as anybody at the plate with that much playing time. 1,500 plate appearances is easily the most of anybody. Uh, like, no one below him has played as much as he has. He's bigger. <laughs> Listen, I give it a 10% to 15% chance of success, but if he were to come through with that 15% chance of success, he could win you a league. Not many guys can win you a league. Billy Hamilton can win a league for you. And that, that to me, makes him worth a stash just to see. That's how I'm thinking about it. I'm not saying, look, on our, I'm not saying, I'm just saying that on our show, they're under the radar guys. We're not saying necessarily put them right into your lineup. Right. We're saying grab them, put them on your bench, and see if in a week, instead of buying them for three bucks on the waiver wire, because a week later, if he goes out and he steals four bags over a weekend, He's going to cost two hundred and fifty dollars in fab. Three in a game, Billy. That's the kind of that's exactly the move you're talking. Like he'll steal yeah. three like Thursday night in a game, and everyone, oh, Billy, have we got to? And then everyone's going to jack up their bid prices for him, and he'll steal another one like on Saturday, just to just to show that he can still do it. And, and then Adam Engel exactly, comes back, yeah. and then Adam Engel will come back, <laughs> which <laughs> right. because Adam Engel is hurt, um, and, and his hamstring is 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 an issue. But I mean, you know, this is Tony Larusa ball, man. Like he had Ricky yes. Anderson. I, I'm telling you, Billy did he, Hamilton, wait, did he it's worth the chance. Did he? Wait. I think he did. But it's wor- all I'm saying is, I'm not saying it's going to work. I'm saying it's worth the chance that it might work. It might work. And if it does work, booyah. Because Lurie Garcia is your backup at second base. He's your backup at shortstop. He could play in left field. I just think he's going to play. And I see when I saw him hit the ball, 
DVR, could you check the the his exit velocity on the hits that he's had this season? Hamilton? And just see how... Yes, please. See if it's gone up, because I believe it's gone up. Just with my eyes. I haven't looked at the numbers, but I think he only got like three hits so far early in the season. But I've never seen him hit a line drive at that pace before. 82.4 average exit velocity, which is better than every year in the last five now, including this one, but not as good as 15 and 16. It's still very bad. Um, what, but what is his? What was his high? His max is 103.8. It's the highest okay. since 2016, but still, that's very, very low. Also, I mean, he, he's not there to barrel balls. He's there to slap the ball over the infield, hit it on the ground, and get on base, and then turn a single or a bunt into a double. Right? That's that's what Billy Hamilton is there to and do. to play and to play ridiculous outfield, mm-hmm. which is what he'll do. He will play world class outfield out there. So I, I just think, again, we can move on from Billy, but that's what I think. Louis Robert, ugh, ooh, so painful. And you saw it, and then, and then, and then they, they send out the x-rays, come back negative, and then the next day it's he's got a torn hip. It's like, come on, guys. But he was in so much pain. You, you had to know. And I've sort of gotten to his end place where it's like injury happens. You're just like, all right, let's go. And to give LaRusso a tip of the hat, he was like, look, this is baseball. And the next guy's got to step up, and that's how you got to handle it. I was going through Tony LaRusso years. He had Edgar Renteria with a bunch of steals in his. I was just picking random St. Louis years to see. But yeah. One thing we should look at is which teams have the most stolen bases so far this year. Because I'm starting to think that, like, the Texas Rangers, they have a lot of stolen bases. Like, getting the green light from your manager, like, let's figure out who runs and who doesn't. Like, the Yankees, they're not stealing many bases. All right. The Rangers are stealing bases, the Royals are stealing bases. And they're winning. It puts pressure on the defense. It's a, it's it's actually like, you know, the sabermetrics say never give away an out. But what happens when there's a runner on first and you got the pitcher is thinking about the runner on first? How does that change the game? I think it changes the game a lot. And I think that we're we're getting back to that maybe. Maybe with the dead ball that that's part of the reason why. But I would I would check to see which of the teams. I guess that should probably be me who does that because like, you know, we should tell people what it is. But DVR, do you have it? Yeah, I got it. The Padres have <laughs> attempted 43 steals, by far the most in the league. They've succeeded mm-hmm. 35 times, also by far the most in the league. The Rangers are second. They're 23 for 30 on the season. The Royals are third. They're 22 for 29. The Cubs are 21 for 28. There's one that I wouldn't have just assumed was on there, even though I know Javier Baez has been running. And, and Anthony Rizzo's running. Yeah, and yeah, you're right. That's, a, that's another strange one. Uh, and then the A's are, are 20 of 25. A lot of that's Ramon Laureano. But I do think with teams struggling to score runs, you will have teams that at least have some guys who can run getting more green lights. You're going to have to find ways to, to put those runs on the board. The surprising thing for me... Padres offense, I know they were missing Tatis for a while, averaging under four runs per game thus far. Pretty much all these teams that are running a lot, with the exception of the Royals and the Cubs, are on the lower end of the scale in terms of the runs they're scoring on a per-game basis right now. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And we've got another guy who's coming who with J.D. Davis out. I'm, I'm just jumping to this. No, go ahead. The, but don't skip the over the one before it. <laughs> we, I guess we'll get to that one in a minute. But Jonathan, I'm sorry, VR the one after, I'm sorry, the one after it. Okay, but Jonathan VR may be coming back. I think he is. That's that's pretty exciting. J- they mean, were all every, like every, every Mets person on my Twitter feed is very upset with JD Davis's defense. 
Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know, man. Maybe VR sticks around. I don't know. What, what, like, I love JD Davis, but I mean, if you're costing pitchers runs and everybody hates your defense, I don't know what to do. Like, you know what I mean? Like, at some, I don't know if that Mets team is analytically bent enough to be like, yeah, we're gonna play VR now, JD, even though you can hit 30 home runs and and 290. So I don't know. I don't know how that's gonna work. Good VR is good VR. I mean, and and certainly good VR is good for fantasy. Oh, D lo- VR, huh? D VR. Jonathan, <laughs> yes, he, a JD, a JVR. Um, but he he he's another guy. If he's available in your leagues, that is definitely worth a pickup because he's going to run. And you know, speed matters. I'm gonna I got to figure out a way to get some speed on that Tower team because I was a little low on speed anyway, and was counting on Louis Robert for 15 to 25 steals. Now there's going to be none. I mean, even when he comes back. And I don't even think he's going to be on my team when he comes back because I'm going to get the money back for him. I don't like this money back rule. I know you just love the money it, back rule. Like it's a great it. rule. Oh, I love it. What's wrong with you? Best. I don't know. It's the best I feel like I'm rule. scolding you every week for something, variety of different things. <laughs> this is just a simple fantasy thing. This is a, but I wish that we did it in all leagues, but it, you can really only do it in auction pretty much. But I love this part of the league. I love it. I it it's it makes the 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 waiver wire that much more important. I love it. Uh, I don't know. I get. It. Uh, I, I don't know. I just you, you don't, don't have to worry about it in your 50, 50 round. You lost you your money. Wor- you lost your money. It just it sucks. Yeah, but, but it, see, it is, man. yeah, but I guess that's part of why I was sort of like I saw twelve to sixteen weeks. Like I remember seeing it and going, oh, well, at least I get two hundred bucks back. You know, yeah. and I'm going to use that two hundred bucks. And that's that's a you know it'll be amazing to see how different a team is from your auction from your original team to the team you end up with. It's always fascinating to see that. Can we get on the Pilar and VR hitting back-to-back last night real quick? Yeah, I mean... Because, I mean, they, they, you, know, you, you can make an argument that Pilar is also worthy of some kind of ad somewhere. Yeah, the problem is there's just not that much room at the end, right? I mean, right. he's really... He's like the definition of a fourth outfielder. But if Nimmo is if Nimmo's really hurt, Pilar could be picked up for sure. I mean, he He was really good last year. He was really good. He was he and he was better in Boston than he was in Colorado. Even it was a short time, but but he was he was pretty good. Well, he's he Boston. Good. That's a Boston guy. That guy was built for Boston. I guess Pilar. It was it was terrible because they intentionally. I, I was I was throwing Wainwright last night, and it was the third inning, and I was going, "Oh my god, he gave up five runs." What are you kidding? Yeah, I thought he didn't have COVID. And then he uh, in in that inning, he intentionally walks VR. No, Pilar. He intentionally walks Pilar to get to Thomas Nito, who he then walks. No, he hit Nito. And then (laughs) that was what it was. He intentionally walks Pilar to get to Nito, then hits Nito to walk in a run, to to bring in a run. Oh, it was just so painful. It's like, ugh, it's so painful. But then he ends up getting the win and then pitches seven innings. It was a weird night last night. You know, I I had Montas going against Mats. You know, I had Mats in a couple of leagues. I have... Uh, you know, Montas in a couple of leagues, and it was three three in the third. It's like, oh, just everyone, can't we just get along? Stop, stop, no more, no more runs, no more runs. And then uh, Montas settled down and ends up getting the win. So, it, you know, man, it, I don't know. Do you guys have as much fun as I do watching these games? And it's not even watching the games, just watching how the games go. It feels like it's a card. It's, it feels like it's poker, and you're just seeing a new card every inning. Like, I don't oh, think wow. anyone has as much fun watching these games as you do, Ian. No, no, I, I don't, I don't think it's even close. DVR, do you enjoy? I, I, I just get such a kick out of it. 
And then and then last night, Glasnow versus Otani, two players that I have in the most leagues, right? The most pitcher I have is Glasnow. The most hitter I have is Otani. And like, who are you rooting for? For me, I'm rooting for the pitcher always because the pitcher, like the ERA hit is worse. But when he hit that home run last night, and DVR texted me last night about it. I was like, wow, that's some home run. Um, at twelve thirty at night, um, <laughs> ding! Woke me Why don't you put in the group? It was it, yeah. So I figured uh, I figured Ian was watching the game for sure, and there was no <laughs> chance that Nando was watching the game. So that's why I didn't send it to the whole group. I was respecting yeah, but, but, Nando being asleep and Ian almost certainly watching. I was right, up. and and it was. Were you up? Oh, see, there you go. No, you. But weren't. boy, oh boy, it's it's really an interesting. What, what do you guys do when you have a pitcher facing a hitter that you own both? Uh, root for the great outcome for the hitter because pitchers do give up hits anyway, and I'd rather it be the guy that I have on my roster that hits my pitcher than someone who I don't have hitting my pitcher. Really? So if you have bases loaded and you're you get your pitcher up, and, and you know it's always math, right? Well, I've got this pitcher in four teams, I've got this hitter on two teams, I'm going for the pitcher. Like I, I, I could do that, but I always go for the pitcher. I'm never rooting for the hitter because I feel like the ERA hit is harder to recover from. Than not getting the hit for the for the hitter, Nando. What do you do when you've got pitcher versus hitter? I uh, I'm I'm okay with the pitcher because I mean pitcher can come out at seven, hitter can hit a home run in like the eighth. You know I'm fine off the, off the bullpen, so I'm cool with right. that. You're rooting for the pitcher too. Yeah, I mean like on a, on a very micro level, sure. I guess I don't really find myself in that situation many times, but when <laughs> it happens, nice. yeah, I you know I no. I don't mind if the hitter tees off on the bullpen, but there's no way for you to have that you know. To, to hit us think up. of the opposite. Hit us up on Twitter and let us know which way you go. Do you, do, do you root for the pitcher or do you root for the hitter? I am Ian Con or Ian Con Four that you want. People Ian Con Four. Right. Ian Con Four. Ian Con doesn't do crap. Anymore. Which one are you following, uh, Alex? Oh, wait, oh, sorry, I forgot. Oh, that's, that's coming later. later. That's later in the yeah. show. May the fourth be with you. Um, that would be Ian Con Four as well. Um, but <laughs> why? Wow, you know, uh, that's good. It's artist, artist kind of bond there. Yeah, man. it's okay. But I, I right. you know, it, you know, whatever. It's fine. But. Um, yeah, so I'm curious to know how people how people react. I'm firmly in the pitcher side. DVR is firmly in the hitter side. Nando is lightly on the pitcher side. So I'm curious to hear what everyone thinks. I feel like mine's Please the only logical way that makes sense. Like, yeah, I, I like that. I like that thought process. It's like let, let's let the next guy get it. But it's right. it, it's so every it's so it really is fun. It really is fun. It really is. Fantasy baseball is a great game. It's a little obsessive sometimes, but it really is a great game. Uh, I wanted to put a new feature in the show where Ian tells us about his new favorite team, the Angels, uh, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. What's okay. happening? What you- uh, since you've been watching them every single night, what's, what's, yeah. what's the latest and greatest from Angels? Okay. <laughs> Jose Quintana struck out nine guys in like four innings and gave up like five runs. Um, they uh, David Fletcher still can't hit a home run. Well, he, he never will. Otani is the best hitter in baseball up there with Acuna, maybe. Best fantasy hitter, I think. Uh, not, not, I mean, I take Acuna over Otani, but him getting hit on the and elbow. Trout would put take, him over Trout? For fantasy, that's a great question. Hmm. I mean, n- I mean, the kid is just ridiculous. He gets hit on the elbow on Sunday, right? Gets hit on the elbow, so he can't pitch last night, which is fine. I'm almost at the point of just like, stop at the pitching. You're just a hitter. You're the best hitter in the world. Gets on first base. Ow, ow, ow. Very respectfully you know, to, to the pitcher steals second steals third while he's rubbing his arm in between each one. He's so much fun to watch show. Hey, Otani, like just watch the show to me. That's, that's the stuff. Pujols is playing every day, not hitting for as much power as I would, as I was hoping. 
but still in there every day until uh, Joe Adele or Brandon Marsh gets called up. Probably Adele, it looks like now, because Marsh is Marsh hurt. I feel like Marsh might be a little hurt. Um, and uh, Max Stassi back, and Anthony Rendon. So you were excited about that? Stassi being back, yeah. yeah. I have him in AL labor, and I like him. I like him. So many injuries this weekend. Did you guys deal with injury issues this weekend? Like, just beyond Louis Robert, just catchers dropping left and right. Travis Darnell is another player that I own in more leagues than anything. And just, just disastrous. Just disastrous. I got to stop talking because DVR is going to check how long people are talking. DVR? <laughs> I don't have the stopwatch out right now. I mostly <laughs> avoided this wave of injuries, which just means the next one's going to get me. You know, it's, it's inevitable. It's been brutal this year. And the weird thing about this season, it's been so many more position players than pitchers. I know we lost Dustin yes. May to Tommy John surgery. That news uh, came yeah. down yesterday. But uh, I don't know. It, it's bizarre. I, I don't really know how to explain it. I don't know if this is actually the fallout from the shortened season or if it's actually just sort of random bad injury luck. It's pretty bad. It's really, really bad. It was interesting to watch. I don't know if anybody caught Kenta Maeda's start last night. Did you guys see Maeda pitch? I did not see Maeda pitch yet. Okay, so Maeda last night, he's really been struggling, giving up home runs left and right. Slider's not working. Nothing's really working great. He comes out last night. I've never seen him more intense, screaming into his glove after every at the end of every like half inning. Just like, come on! It was, it was really fun to see. I really like watching Kenta Maeda pitch, especially when he does it successfully. And uh, he was he was really good last night. How really do you have good. all this time? It's like you're naming every game that's been played this week. How are you watching all of these? Well, you know, the kids go to sleep at like 8.30. And Nicole and I hang out in the backyard and she'll look at her phone and like answer emails and Facebook and stuff like that. And I'm, I've got it kind of going on the side and I'm watching stuff. It depends on the day too. Like sometimes I, no, I pretty much always catch some. I, I I look for my pitchers. Like I, I, I watch the games that my pitchers are going or Shohei Otani is playing. That's pretty much it. Gotcha. I don't watch as many Yankee games anymore. I just I, I don't find myself watching the Yankees oh, until I'd see Luke. the day, man. I well I went to the game. We went to the game on uh Sunday because the kids got tested at school, so we had the COVID tests. I'm I'm vaccinated, Nicole's vaccinated, and we got tickets in the we got last minute, like on Vivid Seats, sorry, I'm going to give him a little plug. <laughs> Vivid Seats. Tell us the website. <laughs> Vivid Seats, Seats, Vivid Seats. Um, and right before the game started, the legend seats that normally go for $700 a ticket were at 100 bucks a ticket. And that's I had free, a 10% that's free off. free food and everything, right? Free food, full bar mitzvah, everything. You get everything. Beer? And, you so get alcohol? No, you don't get alcohol, oh, well, but you get, right. you get ice cream, you get Pepsi, you get as much water as you want, you get 32 hot dogs, they have lobster, they have steak. I mean, it's really insane. So, like, it was like going to a nice restaurant. The food's not that good, but it's pretty good. I mean, it's, it's, it, I give it one to 10, I'll give it a six and a half, seven. So, it's su- certainly solid. So, Phil Nevin's coaching third, and I just, I kind of put my cup in my hands, and I was like, hey, Coach Nevin, Coach Nevin. And I figured I'd call him Coach Nevin. I was like, Coach Nevin, it's my son's birthday in a couple of days. If, if there's a, if there's another foul ball, might you throw it? And he looks at me, and I said, and your, your son's doing great in the Colorado system. I hope he's still in Colorado. I think he might he's be in Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah, I think he's in Baltimore. But I said I, I think I, I think I was nervous. I wasn't sure which way it was going to go. So I was like, Coach you Nevin, your kid's doing great. Phil Nevin. 
not nervous about that, but nervous that I would get the, the team wrong. And because I was like, I think he left Colorado. <laughs> I think he's in Baltimore. So I just said, your son's doing great, you know. And uh, and so he comes and he looks at me. And he just gives me a little nod of the head. My son brought his glove and he comes out for the next half inning. He throw and he, he, he has a ball. He starts to come out and he's like, oh, wait. And he goes, I see him go back to the dugout. I'm like, Ben, 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 get your glove, get your glove, get your glove. And uh, Nevin, Coach Nevin goes, here you go. And throws to Ben. Ben catches it. Boom. And big smile. And it was pretty, pretty spectacular. Because tomorrow's my kid's birthday. So it was, when I was a kid, God, it's too much. Sorry, everybody. But when I was a kid, my dad would get us tickets from my dad, my mom, and my two brothers and me. We would go to the game every year on my birthday and get like seats right behind third base. And so that's what I wanted to give to my son. So I was able to do it. It was super fun. Corey Kluber looked great. Jose Urena looked great. Yeah. Uh, How about that? How's Jose, that? Yeah. I picked him up. I can't claim that one. I mean, I can claim bring it to the masses, but uh, Craig in Chicago has been riding him like since February and just shooting me DMs about him. Does he really? He's he looked he looked great. I'll tell you one guy who didn't look great, and we were within about twenty feet of him um, was Miggy Cabrera. Well, though it was a cool moment because I was I said to myself, I was like, "That's a Hall of Fame baseball player." I was like, "You're going to the Hall of Fame, sir." And Miggy looks up and tips his hat. <laughs> But he he just looked his bat looked really slow. You think they went back to the dugout and like why is George Washington heckling us? <laughs> no, I wasn't heckling. In fact, one of the Yankee fans turns around and goes, "You're being too nice to those guys." I was like, "It's Nico Goodrum. I just picked him up for eleven bucks." <laughs> <laughs> I felt bad too because I was like, "Hey, Nico, keep that job." And Willie Castro kind of looks up at me. I was like, "I like you too, Willie. You're struggling though. A little struggle. A little struggle." This is amazing. I was full. Would you say full who, Yankee? Uh, who else? Akil Yankee Yankee to him. Yes, I did. I said, as he was going out to left field, because I was trying, I was I was working whoever was on the third base line, right? So I said, Jamer, Jamer, a little love for the, before I got the ball from Coach Nevin. Um, I was like, Jamer, Jamer. And he kind of looked at me like, shut up. I was like, I have you everywhere. Like, I, any, all right, have a good game. Got a couple of hits. And then Badoo was going out to left field. I was like, Mr. Badoo. So it was really fun. It's really fun. It's really fun. Baseball can be really fun. I mean, I know we have a lot of stuff on this rundown still to get to, but I kind of want to run down the entire roster of the Tigers and see what you said to each one of them. Uh, what I said to Gregory Soto was, oh, man, damn, you're good. Wow. <laughs> Holy ridiculous. smoke, you throw hard. This Gregory is ridiculous. No, Gregory Soto was really, really good. These guys, you know, it was these guys are really, really good baseball players. And there was a cool moment where uh, Higashioka gets up. And he rips a ball down the left field line. And it just goes foul. And Jamer turns to Phil Nevin and goes, is that kid taking that job from Sanchez? And Nevin goes, looks like it. He's like, yep, pretty much. Because Higashioka is so much better. And I have one thing on Gary Sanchez later in the show that I really do want to talk about. Well, why so, save but, it? Well, you know, go ahead. I was watching a game. I was watching the Yankee game. Gary Sanchez asking the umpire. The way a catcher asks an umpire whether the guy swung or not is key to whether the umpire is going to call him out or not. What you have to do behind the plate is put pressure on that umpire. Yadier Molina is the best at this. He points at that umpire to say, you better call it a strike. And he'll call it a strike. Or he won't. Sometimes they won't. But Gary Sanchez, like he kind of like comes up and like mildly points. He'll never get the call. Like that has to be it is an undervalued thing about catchers, and Sanchez just can't do it. He just won't do it. Is he toast? Yeah, he's toast. Is this Higashioka? Is that like is that Higashioka's just Higashioka's just the far better player. One other thing I noticed at the game, and this was kind of interesting, was that Ruffnet Odor, who's now been with the Yankees for about four weeks, 
he, he's not going to have a long-term everyday job. Though Gio Urshela was at shortstop, looked better at shortstop than Glaber Torres has ever looked, unfortunately. Rugnet Odor is the first guy out of the dugout to high-five everybody after a home run. Anytime the catcher goes up, to talk to the pitcher, Ruffnet Odor runs in and like puts his head in there. It's it, he he's he's really trying to ingratiate himself to the team. I do you think it's fake lasts. or do you think it's real? I think he's trying to keep his job. I think he's 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 trying to say I'm a legitimate member of this team, and we'll see. I don't know. We'll see what happens when Voigt comes back because uh, I I I could see a world where Gio Rochelle is going to play more shortstop. Hmm. I can, and Glaber Torres sits sometimes. Wow, and you have Odor at second, and you put um, DJ at third. DJ, is it weird to you that like Glaber Torres and Gary Sanchez are suddenly like totally on the outs with the Yankees after like, like if you just time traveled from 2018 to here, would you like no no? There's no like the, no way those two are on the outs. I think the Torres thing is bizarre because Odor as a fixture in that lineup still doesn't make sense. He's got four homers in 18 games, but the slash line's still ugly. I don't know. I see more of a bench player there. I think if, if the problem with Glaber is mostly his defense at shortstop, if you still believe in the bat, you move him from short to second, play Urshela at short and figure third base out with someone else. But I don't understand why they would give up on Torres. Sanchez, that one's been a longer time coming. And if they really believe in Higashioka, then that could be more of a split. But unless they're going to trade Gary Sanchez in season, I don't think he loses You know a more than a more than a partial share of the job. I, I don't think it ever gets to a, a situation where Gary Sanchez is starting less than half of the Yankees games so long as he's healthy. I'll tell you this. You may be right about that, but they should start Higashioka. He should be the starter, without question. Well, I think he's if, better if the pitchers in every phase noise, of the right? game. Nah, they won't, but he's better in every phase of the game than Sanchez right now. There's not a spot where Higashioka is not better that I can think of. Everything. Body language, uh, his bat, certainly his work behind the plate. Every every part of his game is better. And yeah. now I'm a guy who bought a lot of Gary Sanchez, you know, betting on the on the comeback this year. And it, it obviously isn't happening. At least not yet. I would love to dig in to, uh, at some point, into Gary Sanchez's stat cast pages and just see if there's anything there. Like, are we I missing something that he's doing well? Like, is there any red no. anywhere? There's, is he getting shifted I mean, on a ton? Like, what's good? Like, what's wrong? Is his head just not there? I, I, I don't know. I, I've watched enough Yankee games to know that, you know, when a guy comes up and you're like, yeah. And now every time Sanchez comes up, it's just like, nah, this is not going to happen. I mean, he's just, it's just, it. he's just, he's just not a good baseball player anymore. Do you, you know? think... Maybe like all right, let's. I don't like. I don't know what his option situation is, but sometimes when you send a guy down, he comes back up. I'm like, is he, because now like the talk that I'm hearing is maybe I should trade for this guy in a couple of leagues. You know, maybe he's, you know he's probably better than my second catcher. And he probably won't cost me a lot of money. I'll say trade. I'd say trade for Kyle Higashioka. There's there's no upside right now in Gary Sanchez. I I can see the Yankees. Well, there has to be upside if there's no like if we've hit his ceiling. Everyone thinks is like not. 220 and no power, right? I mean, DVR, what do the underlying numbers say? Striking out less than ever. He's walking more than ever. His defense is awful. and That's just what you get. He's a terrible runner. He's always been a terrible runner. So balls in play are not as valuable for him anyway because infields can play back against them and still have plenty of time to throw him out. 
Max exit velo is still good. Average exit velo is still decent. I don't think Sanchez is a lost cause, but I do think we're we're far into this point now where a change of scenery might be very good for him. Might be good for both sides, right? Because then they don't have to worry about splitting the time anymore. Then they can make Higashioka the main catcher. I I just wonder, like, what team would trade for Gary Sanchez right now? I can't imagine who who would. I mean, maybe the Pirates. You know what I mean? A full rebuild squad could could trade for him. It makes sense. Him go you should take forth. the chance on. I mean, it, it's game changing power from a catcher. At least ten homers in the shortened season, thirty four in one hundred and six games in twenty nineteen. I don't, it, even if twenty nineteen is the new offensive ceiling for him, that two thirty two, three sixteen, five twenty five line. If that's the what could he bounce back to, and that's the the most you can get, that's great for a catcher. And if then the defense isn't. Putrid. The defense is so bad, though. It, it, having a bad catcher is is underrated in how bad it is for your team. It makes you lose games. Look at the. Let's look at the record. Is there a way to check to see what the record is when Sanchez is behind the plate and when Higashioka is behind the plate? Probably. I mean, there's a way to do it. It might take yeah, an hour. I don't have that immediately available. <laughs> I would bet. I would bet that there they, used to be a catcher way- ERA thing on ESPN. I used to like looking at that. I would bet that the Yankees are winning far more games with Higashioka behind the plate. It it changes everything. It changes everything. You think about a great shortstop and how that changes your defense. A great catcher. It was the Texas Rangers. I was watching the Rangers. Who were they playing last night? I forget who they were playing, but I was watching. Oh, the the Twins. So I was watching Maeda. And they were talking about Isaiah Kainer-Falefa and having a great shortstop and how important that is for a team to have a great shortstop to sort of settle your team around. Okay, great. And they said, but the only position that's more important is catcher. I, I firmly believe that Yadier Molina is a reason why the Cardinals have been so great. Buster Posey was a reason why the Giants won all those championships. I mean, I, I just think that it, it, it makes such an immense difference in the game. I mean, even coaching Little League. Someone asked Joel Pinheiro in his last column, who's the best catcher you've played with? And he said, Yadier Molina. I'd have to pull that up, but he went into like good detail on like what made him so good. And why he was so great. I mean, this is a 12-year MLB pitcher. But you control the game from behind the plate. That's why I enjoyed catching. Because you're you're in control of everything. You're working the umpire behind you. You're you know, you're you're controlling everything that's happening on the field. So oh, man. could you imagine I, being an umpire for an Ian Khan caught game? You know what I used could to do? Can you I imagine used, that poor no, guy? It's very simple. No, why? What are you kidding? Uh, no, just, you, you become know. great, hey, great Nevin. friends with them. Hey, sir. <laughs> The coach Nevin. Yeah, I know. And I thought about it. I was like, See? do I call him Phil? No, don't call him Phil. He won't like that. Do I call him Mr. Nevin? No. Do I call him Coach Nevin? Yes, that's what he, he's coach. He's a coach. Coach uh, Nevin. You're supposed to never refer to managers as coach when you're talking to him in the journal in the, the journalism world of the locker yeah, room. Yeah, but he's not. I learned that. Yeah, but he, the yeah, hard but coach, but coach Nevin is not the manager. He's a coach. He's uh, the, he's I'm coach, just saying. So. Maybe that applies thing. to third base coaches. Does it? Nah, no. Definitely. Definitely Coach Nevin. DVR, no, can you, you ask Britt next rates and barrels? Sure. If Ian made a Why? faux pas, I mean, I could I mean, you could ask any of our writers that question. Well, I mean, you have, you co-host a show with one of them. That's why I thought it'd be appropriate for that. <laughs> okay, but sure, pick another writer that you're you, you have that access close to with. the same people I do. <laughs> just just ask them. I don't know. You you all you do is brag about your other show, and Britt's one of the co-hosts. So I figured I will just definitely are. forget about this conversation by Friday. And I am totally the reason why this show has gone off the rails. Can we talk about Danny Jansen? Do you want it the answer do to the previous think, question though? The Higashioka yes, thing. Yes. 
They're yes, seven please. and two yes. when he starts, but if he's personally catching Garrett Cole, you know that's going to skew those results a little. Yeah, but what? Okay, so he's seven and two. They're seven and two when he starts. And what are what are they with Sanchez starting? They would be, I believe, seven and twelve. Okay, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Higashioka is going to get more playing time on this team, and he should. Let's move on to Danny Jansen then, who's kind of in a not a similar situation, but. He's worse than Gary Sanchez numbers-wise by a lot. Yes, he is. But I mean, hey, Kirk Kirk goes out and Jansen goes two for four. This is like a particularly Ian question. Like, Jansen was supposed to be the next big thing. All of a sudden, Kirk shows up like, you know, year two of the Jansen experiment. I mean, it's got to mess with a guy. And now he's not there anymore. I'll tell you one thing. I did not see that Alejandro Kirk had gotten hurt on Sunday and I had to drop a player in AL labor. So I dropped Danny Jansen, which is fine. I probably wouldn't have kept him anyway. It was either him or Jacoby Jones for the util spot. Um, Cause I got Gary Sanchez, a catcher and, uh, and Max Stassi, but uh, Danny Jansen. Yeah. Maybe more relaxed with Kirk out now. Certainly, certainly can't be much worse. And he, he will not be looking over his shoulder. DVR. What do you think? I don't think Danny Jansen's very good. I was afraid he was good enough to keep Kirk from getting the opportunity early in the season once they put Kirk on the roster on opening day, even though they weren't playing him that much for the first couple weeks. That, to me, seemed like the writing on the wall. They prefer Kirk. So I see Jansen as kind of your prototypical backup catcher with Pop. Makes him useful in two catcher leagues when he's the guy temporarily, but I don't see a lot to get excited about in the long run. Kirk was doing so well too. I mean, he was really turning it on. I think he had two homers in a game. He he was just he was just killing the ball. I got a good amount of Danny Jansen. Well, now don't don't drop him like me. Well, not obviously <laughs> not now. Yeah, he's a starter. Yeah, and then Keston Hura got sent down. Is he a buy low? No, I, I should ask DVR. Yeah, I think it's DVR, a DVR question. A, I yeah, associate Hura with DVR. Absolutely, DVR Keston Hura buy low. In redraft, probably not because you got to stash him on the bench. I mean, if you if you're like me and you have Hira in a redraft league, you're just going to wait and see what he looks like when he comes back from the minors to see if he can get right and resemble the hitter that he was when he debuted in 2019. Keeper in dynasty might be different because he's still young, but you know, moving off second base, the threshold to hit enough at first base is pretty high. We're now sitting at about a full season's worth of big league plate appearances. 251-327-474 with a 32.8% K rate and only a 6.9% walk rate. So below average plate discipline, above average power, 33 homers, 13 steals in those games. The overall body of work is still actually an above average big league hitter despite how awful his shortened season was and how much worse the start of his 2021 has been. So for keeper in Dynasty... Yeah, I think you can and should make a move for here and now. For redraft, it's got to be a league with pretty deep benches if you're going to make that move. So I'm stuck holding him in mixed out. And if he doesn't show me something in the first few weeks when he comes back, then he's a cut at that time. I'm not going to cut him now with six reserve spots because I think there's enough power and speed there to see what happens. Yeah, I, I say go get Danny Vogelbach. I think Vogelbach is a pickup this weekend. Yeah, he's kind of just like a good short-term glue guy, and you know he's a fun player, but he's not good. How's he hitting? How does he? What does he look like? Because you watch the the Brewers games a lot. He's just not. He's kind of the same old, same old, same old. Like he's in better shape. Yeah, but you know it's a low average, so-so OBP, 
feast or famine sort of profile. Hasn't really done a, a lot of damage. I think he had one two-homer game and hasn't homered otherwise, but it is difficult when you're working mostly in a like a pinch-hit part-time role to get into a groove, so maybe with more regular playing time, he can heat up a bit. But even at his best, I mean, that year in Seattle when he hit 30 homers, he hit 208 while doing it with a 341 OBP. So I think that's a spot where when Hira comes back, he gets another month to show that he's fixed it. And if he hasn't, they're going outside the organization or moving Travis Shaw to first base and adding a third baseman. That makes sense. You know, something to get them through because they're a contender this year, right? And I think it's relatively easy (laughs) to find veterans who can play corner infield spots if you don't like what you have there. So I'm with Deion Vogelback as a really short-term you know, filler in like a 15-team league. Uh, but I do think it's what you've seen so far is really what you're likely to get. I think we've run out of time. Well, let me just say one more thing then. Because uh, I, I said this to uh, my partner, Robert Mershak. <laughs> um, we were talking about one of our teams. That was the first and... sound effect of the show. That's like, that's like a new record. 51 yeah, minutes well, in. Yeah. <laughs> this part of the show. Um, and we were talking about, because we have four closers. We have Rich Rodriguez, uh, Hater, Hand, and there's one more. I can't think of who it is. And we were talking about, and, and he was saying, well, we already got three closers. And I said to him, I was like, no, no, no. We, we should play our four. Play your closers now. He said to say this on the podcast because it, it it would help. So here's what I would say. I don't know. Do if we even have, have Robert Mershak call shots for our show? That's nah, okay. He was he was he was. I think he's right. Well, I'll say the point, and I you don't can know say if I, that I don't was know if I appreciate stupid. That. I understand. So let me let me say the point, and then you can decide. So he basically said, "Get what I said was get your closers in now because look at Richard Rodriguez. Like if he's sitting on our bench, first of all, he's been phenomenal. But let's use him now because there's a really decent chance that these guys are going to get traded." And then all of a sudden, so I say at the beginning of the season, get as many saves as you can. So then you can load up on starters as the season goes along. So I just think like if you're like deciding between a Mike Fulton Awitz, do I want to do a Mike Fulton Awitz or a fourth closer, go with the closer because you can always trade them as well. If they, if they, if they don't get traded, you can trade them. DVR, what do you think? Agreed. Uh, I think the other part of this is that streaming as the season goes along actually becomes a little bit easier because... The parity that you see around the league right now, that starts to wash away as some of those teams decide to become sellers at the trade deadline, right? And then you have some quad yeah. A lineups you can pick on. There are always guys who are going to be two-start pitchers in weekly leagues. So you can get bulk that way. But I do think it's right. easier to pick your spots in the final two months of the season, especially with streamers, than it is this early. Very good point. Jeez, that was good. Wow, I hadn't even thought of that. Wow. Now we got to move. All right, now we got to go. Uh, yeah, so coming up. Uh, I would urge you to stick around for this Alex Pardee interview. It's, it's really good. And uh, I don't know, just cool. It's cool stuff. I think you'll like it. Um, but for this part of the show, for the man who's about to uh, go more radio silent than usual, Derek Ryba. I've got to check in with Britt. For the man who may or may not have a Phil Nevin restraining order filed against him, Ian Khan. It's most likely. Thanks. Bye, folks. See you next week. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Enjoy this Alex Pardee interview. It's awesome. We'll see you next week. Good talk. Bye. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Hi, everybody. It's uh, that time of the show where we get to welcome in a very special guest. Uh, and this is going to be, I'm sorry, you know, this is going to take a second because I want to make sure like you understand why this is happening in this show and why it's awesome. So we talk about cards a bunch. Uh, well, I do. And then DVR and Ian humor me. Um, and I, th- I think we squeezed in a couple of these Project 70. I think when the coloring page of Key Brian Hayes came out is when we really dipped into the Project 70 stuff. Um, but, you know, we, we talked about Project 2020 a little bit during the pandemic. We we have Tops as an advertiser on the show, and it was just kind of like, all right, you know, read an ad. And uh, I shot a note, and I'm like, can we get a couple of the artists on, please? And it's because I've been collecting these Project 70. Two artists, in, in specifically, I've been getting a lot of. And Project 2020, it was Don C, because he was just doing this crazy stuff. Um, Project 70, one of the first cards that came out was Ronald Acuna. As, like, like the, with fangs and, like, as a monster. And I'm like, this is awesome. Bought it, like, immediately. A couple weeks later, maybe like a few weeks later, Mike Trout comes out. Same kind of design, like you, like Trout's face though, you can kind of see. So it's almost like he's wearing like a monster mask. Um, and I'm like, all right, we got like monster themes. I get it. Like these guys are going to have these fangs, going to be the top hitters. And then like I, I, a couple weeks after that, Brian Hayes comes out. And it's not the, mo- I mean, it's a monster theme, but it's like he's a spider. And it's all is like 88 tops and like like the team names are like melting a little bit. And there's just this like amazing detail for anyone who is like into monster movies or comic books or anything. Um, so anyway, the artist behind that all is Alex Pardee. And long story short, like, I, like I've been following him on Twitter. Um, I specifically said, can we please just get him on the show? Like I just like I just want to pick his brain because like I go to Comic Cons and I go right for like the basement. I'm right in like Artist Alley. I don't care about the upstairs part. I'll go back up later and look at old tales from the crypts. But anyway, uh, so with that long-winded intro, Alex, that like a thank you for like making these amazing cards, but b thank you for coming on the show because this is like I don't fanboy a lot, but like I think this is this is really awesome for me. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is um, this is really exciting for me too. I mean, the the project is a fresh pivot from what I normally do, and likewise, I'm getting a chance to come meet other people. <laughs> so, like can, can you so i was surprised like you went you went acuna and then you went trout and i'm like all right so you're just gonna do all the studs and then you just went like right for cabrian hayes which i thought was an awesome move there man well thanks yeah like i mean so just to kind of be totally transparent i followed baseball when i was younger and i collected baseball cards religiously as i'm sure all of us did um and then when 
when I was about 13 or 14 was when I was really into like playing baseball and I was in little league and this and that for a couple of years. Oh, literally. Oh, hold on. A oh, little league. Ian's going to have to, you're going to have to. No, that's all right. It's good. You hit on a very, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's continue. Yeah, keep it <laughs> hit me with whatever you got. Um, and, uh, and I realized that I was terrible at baseball, like absolutely terrible. Like I would just get hit by the pitches. I would fall. I would just, whatever. I was scared of the ball. And so I had a really bad taste in my mouth for baseball. So I kind of abandoned all that. And I was just like, ah, no more baseball. And then, uh, but I, I still kind of, you know, followed it along the way. So when this, pro- but I loved collecting cards and stuff. And then when this project came up, I mean, here we are 30 years later and this project comes up and I was really intimidated because when tops asked me to be a part of it, it was like, wait, do you guys know what I do? Right. Like it was like, I, my, my background is, is I draw monsters and I like, I've, bec- I've made art in my career luckily. And I design monsters and I do all this weird stuff and I do some fine art, surreal stuff. So when they, you know, when they asked me to be a part of it and I looked at what the project was and, and their idea was to create baseball cards that are tops cards specifically that never actually existed. And, and that opened my imagination to being like, Oh, okay. So if I'm not really having a lot of rules, like let's try it out. So I pitched them this idea of kind of creating this alternate universe of baseball players and, and, you know, kind of mixing it with, with what I grew up loving, which is kind of monsters and the horror theme and even tops properties like garbage pill kids and stuff like that. And, um, and they were into it. So with that, with them being into it, then we worked with the, uh, MLB directly to on, you know, licensing on like here, here's certain players that are available from, you know, the retired legendary players to who's available now. And, and so I, I grew up in the Bay area and in California. And so, you know, my team's growing up, my main, my team was the A's, but I also like the giants. And, and so like, I didn't initially just want to like do the players that I grew up collecting or whenever I wanted to actually see what I'd been missing for the last 20 years. So I went and I watched highlight. I like, I spent all this time kind of researching and it was really fun because I felt it felt fresh again. So I went in and I was looking at, you know, like you're saying the top hitters, but I was just like, watching highlight reels and watching rookie tapes and watching some, you know, other older tapes. And I just, I started picking players that I thought were exciting to watch for me. And, um, and it was cool. So I, I definitely have a mix of some older players, which you you'll see in the future. And so, which that sounds weird, but, uh, and then some, (laughs) some, uh, some still current younger players. So yeah, keep Brian Hayes was awesome to me because I wanted to do a rookie card and it was like, He's one of the ones that I was looking at, and I was just like, he's cool. Is a dude, and like you, did you make the coloring page or did tops? Like I remember you. So I'm like, I'm obviously a, a new follower, and I, you know, I've been following you for I guess like a month and a half or two months now. Um, so like I like I don't. Did you were you like, hey, just as like a, like a cool aside, here's here's a here's a coloring page of the card that I made. Yeah, I mean, like, what, well, one of the things that like I try to do with my art, even though it is kind of demented and and weird, is a uh, I as a child, I grew up loving that stuff. Like I was in third grade when I first discovered Tales from the Crypt cards, old skateboard, Santa Cruz skateboard art and garbage pail kids and these kind of more demented things. And that's what really inspired me. So I really like to cater 
what I'm doing in hopes of it inspiring some younger kids as well. So doing things like adding coloring pages to stuff, like I just kind of felt like it was just like a fun thing to do. I'm going to have to get uh, that coloring page for my younger son because he does not particularly like baseball. My older son does like mm-hmm. baseball, but my younger son is a really, really loves drawing. So I'm going to, I'm going to get that. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I, I'm going to use, I'm going to have you in my yeah. head now. I'm going to say, Hey, Sam, you could be a, you could be a baseball, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, a, an animator because he wants to be an animator. Oh, yeah. Nice. At least that's awesome. where he wants to be yeah. right now. He's eight. Awesome. Yeah. You know, that's actually a really cool um, thing that was, I, it was, I want to say more unexpected that like I had hoped that a lot of people would collect these cards and kind of like be able to bond with their children or at least kind of inspire something that they're like, oh, I remember, like, I remember having this feeling of liking monsters and this and that. And it's actually happened a lot more than I expected, which is really, really refreshing. You know, Ian, I wanted to bring you in here anyway, because so Alex, you're obviously an artist. Ian, uh, Ian's an actor, like got an IMDb page, like a mile long. Awesome. Um, he was George Washington in turn. Oh, nice. And like, I, I know, like, it's, I know there's like, you know, artists are artists. Like there's a process. There's, you know, there, there's things you think through things. And I was just going to give you in the floor. Like, I thought it'd be cool if you guys just kind of nerded out on like process or something like that, because there's, there's this link that ties the two of you together. And very rarely do you have this chance to do it on like a cool pop culture level. Oh, so. I, I can't even imagine the process of going through acting or preparing for a role um i mean maybe it's similar i think I, I, <laughs> like I, I think the spot where it might be similar is you know as a as an as a painter animator i don't know what you would what you would say that you are but so much of the work is done alone right and so yeah. much of it is sort of like where your creativity takes you and i would say that when building a character especially tv is a little bit less this way though when playing george washington it was very much this way but i would say the theater is a probably a better fit which was where mm. i spent most of my career the early part of my career and so much mm. of it is the create the creation um with yourself in the page and sort of building a story and building an understanding of the character. So I guess that that would be a, a place where we do relate very much. What's it like for you when you first sit down and you're like, to come up with the Cabrian Hayes spider, what what was the sort of the, the thing that sort of drew that out for you? Drew that out, see what I did? Uh, well, you know, what's funny is uh, you mentioned adding kind of a story to your character and helping it understand your art a little bit more. And that is, I mean, that's what I like. I grew up wanting to be a filmmaker and a storyteller and a comic book artist. And, and, and I guess at the time I was very introverted and I was struggling a lot with anxiety and depression and, you know, as a lot of teenagers do, but that actually drew me to being attracted to the privateness of art. Mm-hmm. So I, I was able to kind of create by myself and I didn't have to worry about what people were thinking, collaborating with people, you know, and, and stuff. But, uh, but because of my background in wanting to tell stories, I oftentimes try to add, you know, storylines to some of my art that I do or build care, like add a little bit of a backstory as kind of a bonus to like, oh, you can enjoy this cool art of like a monster, but did you know this about him? And, you know, and so with these tops cards, I'm kind of doing the same thing. Um, and with Q. Brian Hayes, for instance, a lot of the times it, the way that my imagination works is it's a mixture of uh it starts visually so i would print out a bunch of q brian hayes photos that i all thought were kind of like dynamic looking and then i would literally just kind of like stare and then be like okay 
he's a third baseman. What is these things like? Like kind of like building something in there as I scribble. And then eventually, like there'll be 20 terrible ideas. And then eventually I'll add like, you know, an extra leg and I'll be like, oh, it would actually be really helpful if he was like a spider as a third baseman. Like he can like go fast, like run it. Like, I don't know. It was just like kind of weird. So then I started adding a couple extra limbs and I was like, okay, this is the route that I want to go. And I'll kind of figure out the, the origin story later, but I want to make him a spider. Do, have you had any responses from the players where they, they see the cards and they're like, I love that. Or they're like, don't make me a spider. You know, not yet. I mean, luckily we are working directly with the MLB. So they're getting approvals. Good, good. I don't know what the, I don't know what the approval process is. Like, I don't know if they're actually like sh- showing Mike Trout, like, Hey, you killed an alien and are wearing his skin. Like, what do you think about that? But like, you know, <laughs> that was, but, was um, that the trout story? That was the trout story. He's wearing his yeah, skin. The trout story was that That's basically even... <laughs> like, like that, uh, that one night after after a game in the Angels outfield, like these aliens came down and landed in the in the stadium, and they were evil aliens. And then the Angels collectively had to like stop them, but Mike Trout was able to kill the leader. And then, as like a warning, he wore a skin. So that was, uh... <laughs> that's so much that's so much better now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, um, but as far as like the players' approval, like I, I'm not. I think. I don't know if anyone's actually seen that. I have known that, that Ronald Acuna, I saw him signing a bunch of them. So I know he's physically seen them, but I don't know what his, I mean, I guess if he totally hated it, he'd say I'm not signing it. <laughs> Are you, were you a star Wars fan? Oh yeah. Still am. I'm kind of going crazy on this right now. If, if, if you're at home and you have never done this, like you got to watch if you've watched the Mandalorian, I assume. Right. So there's this amazing moment. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but in the last episode of The Mandalorian, it's worth just the Disney Plus just Mm -hmm. on its own. But, you know, I kind of went down a a hole since we're talking Comic-Con and and, and these things Mm -hmm. where I'm looking at Ryan Johnson, who did The Last Jedi. I just want to hear just get a quick Mm -hmm. opinion from you on what you thought of Ryan Johnson and his decision to do The Last Jedi the way he did, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah. No, I, I don't mind at all. I'm not afraid to say what I think. Like I adored Star Wars growing up. I, I, you know, everything on Wikipedia, like whatever. I know a lot of nerdy stuff about Star Wars, but at the same time, I think like I love The Force Awakens. Like this feeling yes. of seeing it. I absolutely like. There, there was to me there was the the perfect amount of nostalgia there and callbacks that I wasn't like overly annoyed. It was just like cool imagination, cool monsters, cool whatever. Loved it. Um, so I, I did have high expectations, or I guess I had similar expectations going in because I also love Ryan Johnson. Um, I was not, you know, I was surprised to be honest with with the way the Last Jedi came out. But um, but I was, I'm, I think I've got over the years I've been able to detach myself from the fandom and just being able to be like, well, he wanted to do his, this his way. Mm. I'm not mad. I'm mad. I don't. I'm I just, really like, mad. Like I'm mad, Alex. Like, I think that. I think that like the opening scene and kind of turning it goofy was a little weird. Terrible. And then I think the casino, the casino scene was completely out of left field and boring yep. and, and stuff. But, uh, and, and I do think that my, I don't think my problem with Ryan is with Ryan Johnson and the last Jedi itself. My problem was with the fact that it was clear in the last Jedi that they didn't have a three story arc to be. Yes. With. Okay. All right. And I think that's, that's what I was, that's what I was more disappointed with. Like when I saw the force awakens, I was like, we're in for this huge long plan yep. that they have. And then I saw the last Jedi and I was like, okay, they're just winging it. So I don't really have expectations for number three now. So. 
I know this isn't cards related, but with seeing what you had in your background, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that Alex has an opinion on this. Watching The Force Awakens was really one of the most emotional moments of my life. Watching oh, yeah, watching Han Solo die, I literally, I literally, literally, I don't know if I've said well, this so on the show. Spoiler alert on that one. Uh, well, it's a little late on that. If you haven't seen The Force Awakens and you didn't know that Han Solo died in The Force Awakens, <laughs> you don't care. Six years ago. Then, yeah, you don't care. So I don't. But it's okay because he comes back for revenge and kills everybody in The Last Jedi, which people. No, exactly. but so. so <laughs> The moment Han Solo died was one of the most painful moments of my life, truly. Like, I wept on the streets of New York City for 30 minutes, could not stop crying to the point that I had to call my younger brother. And he's like, Ian, it's just a movie. I'm like, no, 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 no. So then the last moment and then the whole two years, I could not wait for that moment. I'd fallen in love with Ray. I'd fallen in love with all this stuff. And watching Luke Skywalker throw his lightsaber oh, yeah. over his shoulder, I just went, well, go go after yourself right now. And then yeah. the further we I, get I a, away from it and the Mandalorian and the whole thing, it's like Ryan Johnson, like I almost I, I almost want to start trolling Ryan Johnson on Twitter, which I know people do, and people do still. They should. Ryan Johnson is a selfish prick. Sorry, I have to say that. What a piece of crap. That movie sucked. He ruined it. And only John Favreau and Dave Filoni bringing it back in The Mandalorian oh my God. Save, saves it. Save, completely saves it. But he destroyed, for his own selfish, this is the way I think art should be. I don't want, I, you know, it's like Bill Murray and Tootsie, where he's like, I don't want people to walk out and say, what a great play. I want people to walk out and go, what happened? Well, yeah, all right, Ryan Johnson. That's what we got. What happened? You screwed it up. You messed up Star Wars. Let's call it there. Okay, well, well, on and, and only to play devil's advocate because I agree with you. I think I was done. With, I was done with Star Wars to the degree emotionally yeah, done after Last Jedi. Like I watched, you know, yeah. I, I ended up watching the Rise of Skywalker. I saw it once, and I was just like, okay. But like, I nothing will match that Force Awakens feeling. But then, so I was kind of detached from it and fatigued from it. But the Mandalorian scrapped everything. Yes, and the Mandalorian brought me right back totally. to totally hundred percent, and I was just like, yep. okay, hundred percent. But the problem, the problem is, we should not forget what Ryan Johnson did. Well, I think you know, in 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 not not defending the decision of Ryan Johnson, regardless of his selfishness, but there's a hundred more people that made that decision to go along with Ryan. Yeah, Johnson yeah, yeah, okay. That, that, you that's know, fair. Like, that's, like, that, that, that's true. <laughs> Kathleen that Kennedy also let that. Yeah, but happen. that's the whole look. We're artists, right? So we're we're coming at this from an artist's perspective. They wanted to give the artist his chance to make his movie and screw everybody else. Yeah, it should have been a standalone. He should have been able to experiment with a standalone. Go make your little standalone that people can hate. Don't ruin yeah. Luke Skywalker. Don't ruin Luke Skywalker, right. which is what essentially what it. he did. Yeah, I, I I would imagine that Mark Hamill was Mark Hamill was so if pissed. Was. You if you want yeah. if you want to go down, I was doing this rabbit hole right before. That's why I'm talking about it. <laughs> but there's there's a 25 minute video of Mark Hamill basically saying this sucks and it's Ryan Johnson's fault before the movie came out. It's it's wow. pretty remarkable to see. Anyway, I just thought I thought you I I, I thought I had a a a a a fellow Star Warsian here. So I wanted to no, you, I wanted you to get do. Your I just don't, I I I feel like I've I grew up so bitter. Like I loved movies. So I grew up as that bitter teenager that was like hating certain movies and this and that and you know whatever. But then I I think what happened was I actually I made a movie um a few years ago. I made a movie. It was a small independent film, but I made it with my friend and I you know helped write it and he directed it and then I did all the creature design and we did this and it was a small thing, but it took a couple of years. And 
you know, when it came out and we went and toured it around the world, we saw it in theaters with everybody. Like, what was the name of the movie, Alex? Shout it, it out. The, the movie was called Digging Up the Marrow. And it was kind of like a, a, a nod to Clyde Barker's Nightbreed in a way. Um, and, uh, and just to kind of like see that, you know, it, it, it to, to see how vulnerable that is and for to see here, to hear people be like, like take things that are kind of out of your control, like would have been better if you had this. And it's like, well, we, we didn't have that, right? Like it was just like kind of weird. So I think, I think that that, that to me was able to kind of like go, all right, I'll just like not be so angry. Towards I'm movies. sorry. But, I'm yeah, angry towards movies. I'm angry no, towards no, Ryan good. Johnson. You totally I can. spent my years, my 25 years of my life making stories for people, for people to watch and watching that prick. I keep saying it because I think TBR doesn't have to <laughs> keep it up, but watching that prick stand there. So self importantly going my art, my art. No, it's not your art. You didn't create it. George Lucas created it. You're, you're, you are the keeper of the flame. That's why I kind of admired what JJ Abrams did in the force awakens i really mm-hmm. like that movie yeah, but, but I, did too. I think i i just i i i dislike ryan johnson it was funny because right after that movie i said to my wife my wife my wife at the time my god what the hell is that i said to my <laughs> wife um i said i'm never auditioning for jj abrams ever i can't believe he killed hunt solo i'm like i'm never if i ever walk in i'm gonna take the audition just so i can go in and tell him that i hate him and then over time that sort of stopped but ryan johnson i will go in i will I, i'm not acting anymore but i would go in just to say hey you selfish prick you selfish prick Ooh, look at me i'm right. ryan johnson okay sorry all this is gonna get cut i know all this is gonna no, get no, cut. i'm just gonna you two save this for your podcast the two of you uh because we <laughs> we're basically out of time here <laughs> all right any more about the more about the cards then so 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 where can we get these no, I'm cards? sorry you took up all the card talk with star all right, wars so now. where where can we get where can we get the cards if we want to buy them do we have to buy them individual online we we are yeah the way the tops is releasing them is there there's a total of i think a little over 50 different artists, including me that are doing a total of 20 cards each all throughout the year. So every day, Monday through Friday, tops is releasing three to four brand new cards and they're sold either individually or packs of the three releases that they do. Um, and so uh, it's, it's really cool. My, my next card that drops is actually, I just announced it last night. It comes out on Thursday, May 6th which is Willie Mays' birthday. And coincidentally, well, not so coincidentally, I'm doing a Willie Mays card. So it's my first kind of legendary player, which I'm I'm really excited Can to Can we share. get a sneak preview of what it's going to be? Um, I actually did like a little like video teaser yesterday online. And uh, uh, it's pretty self-explanatory, but the story behind it is that there was, um, remember this is alternate universe that I'm creating here. But the uh, the story behind it is that there was multiple games in the sixties where afterwards Willie Mays just disappeared for 12 hours at a time. And nobody ever knew where he went, why he went. And the kind of the media was a little fascinated by it. Um, but he never revealed his like secret of why he had to go a few times, you know, and just disappear. And so the card kind of reveals that, but it, it has to do with the full moon. So. Uh, uh, oh yes. no. Yes. I'm telling you, look, uh, the Acuna card, I mean, like, we're, I know, like, Tops is an advertising partner right now, but this is we would be saying this anyway. The Acuna card's like seventy five bucks on eBay, sixty seventy five bucks. So like, it's crazy. Get these when they come out for the nineteen ninety nine. Like, go nuts. <laughs> this is it's it, they're just good. They're just like good art, man. I feel almost like I'm at a comic con and just strolling through like that artist Thanks. alley, and it's Thank it's you. just kind of like this is awesome, man. Yeah, so I'm having fun. 
Yeah, I, you can tell. I think you can tell with this one especially. It's you could, There are a few artists, like Snoop's one of the artists, and like his stuff is good, but it's just not like, it doesn't have this kind of feel, man. Like you've got it, like Distorted has it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Her, her, her style is very distinguishable too. It's cool. And like the fact that she's kind of like mixing like players that have also had food association yeah. with them. It's <laughs> yeah. really funny. She did John Cruck diving into a cheesesteak, yeah. which is pretty awesome <laughs> as a Cyclops. <laughs> Um, but Alex, sorry, we're, we're out of time. Yeah, uh, no, for sure. But, Thank you for having me. Dude, thanks. Thanks so much for coming on. And uh, yeah, sort of gushed a little bit, but uh, yeah. Helps me. <laughs> I, hope, I hope Ryan Johnson still respects you after this. Screw but. him. Oh, I... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Screw him. Uh, but thanks, man. So you can check out Alex's, uh, man, I should know that. Your Twitter's Alex Pardee, right? P-A-R-D-E. Yep. Yeah, just my name. Um, and actually, if you're, so if you're really into him, I, I, was, I was going back a little bit yesterday. You have, uh, you're making companion cards. Like I thought, like Acuna's hand. Yeah, the 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 companion cards is also just kind of a fun bonus. It's kind of more for the the people that really like to dive into collecting, and you know we do a really limited amount of companion cards, and you know they're I'm producing them personally, uh, so they're not associated with tops, but they are a little way to kind of add the physical story. So on the back of the companion cards, you have the story of the actual baseball card. So it's kind of like a way to to add, you know, it's I don't know, adding mythology to it. Cool. I'm following you on Twitter right now, Alex. I'm going to give you a follow right now. Oh, thanks, Ian. And Alex, th- thanks a lot, man. This is really yeah, awesome. Sure. It's it great to, to meet you and just to kind of like let you know that the stuff you're doing is amazing. So oh, thank, thank you. you, dude. Yeah. Thanks well, enjoy, a lot. Enjoy your Star Wars day. Yeah. May the fourth, <laughs> yeah, right, that too. May the fourth be with you. I mean, you know, come on now. That's why we're talking about it. Ryan Johnson, what a prick. Yep. <laughs> All right, we got to go. Thank you, right. Alex. Check him out Take on Twitter, care. Alex Pardee with two E's. Uh, it's awesome. And uh, get the cards. Bye.